0: Hello everyone, we are rolling for another episode of the JJ F1 podcast where Jonah and Jordan talk about all things related to F1. Today we have a doubleheader for a doubleheader race weekend where we first had the Mexico City Grand Prix where Max Verstappen won from Lewis Hamilton and Sergio Perez and then the, Uh, sorry, not the Brazilian Grand Prix anymore, the Sao Paulo Grand Prix. Did you know they changed it? I did. Um, where Lewis Hamilton won from Max Verstappen in second and Valtteri Bottas in third. So Jordan, uh, we have a lot to talk about on this episode. Um, I want to I want to get a little bit of an overview first of, of how you think these last two weeks went.
1: Well, first of all, it's very weird their whole name change because apparently the Mexico the Mexican Grand Prix is not a Mexico City Grand Prix. They're very weird with the name changes this year. I don't know what's going on. They posted the Formula One YouTube channel, posted on YouTube the highlights, and they called it the 2021 Brazilian Grand Prix. So I don't know what the name is. I don't think they even know what the name is anymore. Uh,
0: I think apparently it's the Sao Paulo Grand Prix. Um, yeah, no, uh,
1: David Croft, when he said uh, at the end the, during the podium ceremony, he said it's the Sao Paulo Grand Prix. But... They posted on F1 TV and on their Formula One YouTube channel saying the Brazilian Grand Prix. So I don't even think they even know what's going on.
0: Some guy in marketing is getting fired. I actually know why they switched it to Sao Paulo, though, because uh, they no longer have the support of the Brazilian government. Um, The Brazilian government wanted to build a... New racetrack uh, in the Amazon rainforest outside of Rio de Janeiro, and it got shut down. And as a result, F1 extended their contract with Lagos for five years. So the Brazilian government was not happy about that, and thus uh, they removed their name from, uh, from the Grand Prix. And now that's why it's the Sao Paulo Grand Prix.
1: Very interesting. Well, we have a lot to dive into starting off in Mexico City at the Mexico City, Mexican Grand Prix, whatever, you name it. But we know that the Mexican won in his home country on his home, didn't win, but was a personal moral victory for him. He was on the podium, and I think it was the first Mexican on the podium in Formula One history, which was amazing to see the podium ceremony in the stadium section. I'm so happy that they made the podium ceremony in the stadium section. It was an amazing sight.
0: Yeah, so, I mean, that was the first thing that I wanted to talk about is just the, the Mexican fans and Sergio Perez becoming the first Mexican to get on the podium in the Mexican Grand Prix. That's what it was. Um, yes,
1: sorry. Yes. Lost, lost the cover, getting mixed up.
0: Yeah, so the, the mix of the end of the race where he was fighting with Hamilton um, to potentially move up to second place to getting on the podium, to his dad and his son and his wife. Oh, man. Just take take us through that entire thing. Because for me, that was a tearjerker moment in Formula One. up Like, up there with his first win in Secure, where he was actually crying. This has to be on the same level, if not better, for Sergio Perez, who has had an amazing last few races.
1: Yeah, he's been, he's been performing really well, especially in the United States and in Mexico. We, we saw that he had the chance to catch Hamilton in the final laps of the Mexico City Grand Prix. And it was getting really tight. And he even had a, a, a chance at the end. He lunged. He couldn't take it. And leading up to that, every single time they would approach the stadium section, and this crowd would see Perez just inch a bit closer every single time. They would go crazy. And there, I don't think there is a better home support than Sergio Perez in Mexico. It is amazing to watch. And I really was, you know, I, for those who like, you know, don't know, when Jordan and I speak, I'm always the type of guy that says, I want the underdog to win because in terms of this championship, I really want it to be a tight, race to the finish line sort of championship for example today i wanted lewis hamilton to win before the race because i wanted the points to get closer so that hamilton and mac could fight it out at the finish line so i really wanted uh hamilton to to get second place but because it was in next i was so happy that sergio perez was putting on a fight and deservedly so he raced really well they did perform well in qualifying but you know performed very well during the race and you know it's, it's all thanks to the first turn and and, and that race after to turn one
0: yeah so <clears throat> i mean i think at home support the red bull drivers probably have the best support of the entire grid, 100 percent.
1: absolutely
0: you have the dutch fans for max and you have the mexican fans for checo um i i think that This I think his podium was really a culmination of how much effort he put in this season where you remember in our driver extensions episode where we said, does Sergio Perez really deserve another year at Red Bull? I think the last few races, including the one that happened today, the Sao Paulo Grand Prix proved that he is very much deserving of that contract and that it took him. How many races have we been? This is 18 races now to get used to what is basically Max Verstappen's car. So um, on top of that, um, I think Sergio Perez at, at any other circuit would have probably been able to pass Lewis Hamilton uh, in the last section. But the thing is that two DRS straights back to back is a really stupid idea. So that's, that's the way that I see it. It's the same thing in Abu Dhabi where you have the hairpin, which is now being fixed and then a long straight and then a small chicane and then another long DRS straight. Like, yeah, what's the point? You can't even follow the car. Um, but that's, that's the way that I see it. And honestly it was a thing of beauty to see the Red Bull car come up on the lift with Max Verstappen on it. And <laughs> Sergio Perez's dad hugging his son, hugging the management director at Honda, hugging Max, hugging some random marshal. Like, that man was probably the most ecstatic person in that entire track. And it was so well deserved. Someone who had a really bad race in Mexico was George Russell. Um, I have, uh, basically an overtake moment that I want to talk about. And the one I put in my notes is literally anyone overtaking George Russell in Mexico is what I have for my overtakes of the week that week. I have highlighted. Where did
1: he finish? I, I forget where he, where did he finish? He, he
0: finished, uh, I think P 16 or P 17.
1: Yeah, and today wasn't his,
0: his day either. I mean 13th, not bad. I mean, we forget that this Williams did not score points for two and a half years. Right. Like
1: today at one point he was trailing Latifi, I believe.
0: Yeah, exactly. Final laps. Um, but back on to Mexico. I'm I have in my notes highlighting Acon, Raikkonen, Norris. And Lance, both all four of them, especially Lance, because I have at the end um Brad, his race engineer, saying, Yes, let's go, Lance, continue, you can do it. Like that was the most energetic I've ever seen Brad on F1 radio ever. Um, but yeah, I mean, what what do you what do you take of that? Williams' performance in Mexico, especially making it look so easy for other people to for other people to pass,
1: Yeah, I find it interesting because Williams had a really good mid-season. I believe at the beginning of the season they weren't so hot. Their car became really uh, it was on fire. Come Belgium, come Italy, um, Hungary as well. I think Hungary's where they really got their first points, if I'm not mistaken, um, and. It was performing really well until we got to North America. Um, and for some reason, North America, they have not been doing so, North America, the Americas, they haven't been doing so well. And I just find it very interesting. And it's, it's funny because, you know, we could say in the reverse that Valkyrie has kind of found his stride since they left Belgium. Since the whole thing, the whole, uh, you know, driver shakeup was announced, Valkyrie sort of found his, 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 his mojo. He came first in Turkey, came third again today. It's just really funny how pressure and you know, external forces play into it. And I'm not surprised that that might be a reason
0: why Williams has dropped off a bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, you think, you think that it has to do with the Russell contract?
1: I think that it has to do with uh, alleviating pressure for both parties. And how they, you know, every person, when they have pressure, goes either into fight or flight mode. And I think when people are alleviated of pressure, you have a reaction sort of in the same way. It's sort of, can you keep it going? Or when the pressure is not there, uh, you know, do you just, you just chill and relax like you're on the beach? And I think that when the pressure is not there, Valtteri reacts in a positive way. And we've seen George kind of chill since the contract has been announced. Mm. So I'm not saying that there's a, a causation, but I'm saying there might
0: be a correlation. So here's the way that I see William's recent struggles. I mean, I don't understand why we're even calling this struggles because this is just this is just par for the course. Williams. Maybe maybe the 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 weekends in Europe were just overperforming. And this is the par for the course that we've expected from William. With-
1: which I think it was. I think it was this old performance. I think it was a performance because of the, the, the drivers. It wasn't, I don't think it was a car thing either. I think it was a very driver focused sort of performance because we saw, you know, George make it to Q1 when Ratifi couldn't get out of Q3 yeah. in some races. So I really do think that it was a driver specific boost that we were able to see and that we were, we were very happy to see as well.
0: So I don't think that this is a driver thing. Hear me out. I think this is yes, a car issue. You. I think that this is a car issue because I'm going to go back to the beginning of the season where uh, it was George Russell. It was Jos Capito. It was everyone at Williams that said, listen, this car is going to be competitive at some circuits. Uh, when the weather is perfect or when the weather is on our side and when the track is to our liking, we're going to put in a decent effort and we're aiming on those circuits to put in good results. Um, I think that sticking to that quote, the car was just not in tune to the circuits that we've been to since uh, since we left Belgium, uh, since we came to North America. I mean, Coda is not necessarily the you you have uh, your own opinions on coda i think you're about 50-50 on coda um but i think the major elevation changes with the twisty turns and the extremely hot weather in texas um definitely contributed i mean it's the same thing in mexico it's 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 a it's a little bit of the car dynamic where i think that um, you know, track for track basis, we knew that the Williams coming into this wasn't going to be super competitive, let alone competitive at all, having 16 points to their name. Um, So I think that this is coming back to the car not being in tune to the conditions because we knew from the get-go that in optimal circumstances, this car was going to do well. In suboptimal circumstances, this car is going to do badly. That's the way that I see the Williams... uh, the Williams
1: thing going on yeah and a very interesting take on it I think that the car itself is just not a good car all around I mean we don't we don't we don't see it really having uh such consistent results and I think the inconsistency of the results were coincidentally at a time when silly season was starting Mm-hmm. So, I personally, like I said, I don't think there's maybe, maybe there might not be a causation, but there's definitely a correlation. Okay. Well. But we should, we should talk about a certain team that in the Americas has not performed really well. Actually had, I believe for this specific driver, for Daniel Ricardo, it was his, he had 34 races with, where he completed all those races and the streak ended today. McLaren has really not had the best luck in the world over the past couple of races. I don't but know that's what That's I really want to speak about also. What do you think about that, Jordan?
0: I, I don't know what happened, Jordan. I really don't know.
1: It, but it's, it, it was weird today because today, in the, in the, the production was really focused on the Max versus Lewis uh, debacle. And Lance retired at one point, and they just didn't. Think about it at all. Yeah, they just, yeah, they just the showed line. a
0: camera of Lance losing his mind because the you know he got a little bit of a kiss from the uh, front right tire of Yuki Tsunoda.
1: <laughs> yeah, so, but but back to the original topic. What's been going on with McLaren when we hit Austin? They were they, they really tapered off. What do you what do you make of, of their performance?
0: I don't know. I mean, I think if we compare the battle for third in the constructors i think this is more i don't think this is more mclaren underperforming than ferrari doing exceptionally well um i i i think that it's it's just bad timing on on my end i mean we see that both drivers have talent one of them won a race this year and the other one came on the podium how many times fifth Five times? 4 or 5 times 4 or 5 times already this season um i mean look they they there's something going on with that car that come these circuits something's not working because we've seen that in optimal circumstances this is a podium contending even race winning race contending car i i i really don't know what happened what do you think jordan Delve into, well, look, the, so I, delve into the
1: delve theories. So my take is that uh, we both witnessed the uh, podium finish from Lando Norris in Monaco, right? And I understand that Monaco is a track where overtaking is not really a thing, but the car did perform well in elevation change it, with elevation changes, which is very much the tracks that we just went on in, in in Brazil, in Austin, a lot of elevation changes in the track. So I don't think that it's fair to give them the excuse that their car does not perform well in elevation changes. And therefore, like you said, I am very uncertain as to what is happening at McLaren right now. Because we know that there are two very talented drivers. There is a multiple race winner, there is a young talent that is destined to win many races and maybe be a world champion one day if he does have the car under him. They're very talented drivers. We know that. So this is why it's all very confusing to me.
0: Yeah, I mean, give I'm going to give credit where credit is due, though. Carlos Sainz and Charles Leclerc have pushed the limits of that Ferrari, Um, especially with uh, Sainz finishing third in the sprint race. Sure, the race itself didn't go so well for him, but still, uh, fending off Sergio Perez is a... Is, is, is really something. And uh, Charles Leclerc has been extremely consistent the entire season.
1: And I do want to say there's a very good team dynamic at Ferrari. You could tell that the environment at Ferrari right now is really not toxic, especially between the two drivers. Last week in Mexico City, there was a point where I believe it was Carlos Sainz at a faster pace and was more likely to catch up to Sergio Perez. And Charles Leclerc, let him by. No problem, no questions asked. He trusted his team, he trusted his teammates, he knew that, that was the right call and did not ask any questions. And you could tell that they get along very well. You could tell that the team right now is in, very, in a very good place and has really good harmony. Um, and I applaud I them for the big turnaround yeah. um, in a year's time, because if you look at where they were last year, you know. It was a tractor, uh, they
0: were trailing along yeah, a tractor. And-
1: it was crazy to see. We were all so confused and we were so surprised what was going on. And I really do think that that speaks a lot to Carlos Sainz and what he brings to the team, not only on the racetrack, but I think it speaks more to what he brings off the racetrack. We saw his amazing relationship with Lando Norris. We saw him bring back McLaren to the top of the grid. He brought McLaren back from being a terrible team with Alonso in there black and red livery he brought that team from the bottomless pit that it was in to third in the constructors championship last year and now we're seeing him take Ferrari from their tractor days to their glory days and I think that that speaks to what Carlos Sainz brings off the track more because off the track you know is where they do a lot of the work and where you have to have the best attitude and the best focus the most amount of focus and I think that that speaks a lot to to him, and I think that in, in this case, the correlation of of you know bringing up a team also means a causation with uh, the with uh, with him and his teams.
0: Honestly, tractor days to glory days is definitely the line of the episode.
1: <laughs> yeah, tractor days to glory days for Ferrari. That
0: was very very well done. Um, you. You hit it on the nail. That was that was extremely well well described. However, we're going to I'm going to find a way to make a tie in here. Okay, so team dynamics. There's definitely one team that's had a definitely weird team dynamic. Um, weird, less so now. But let's talk about Mercedes. So, not not only Mercedes. Let's talk about Valtteri Bottas like we always do almost every single episode. Here's how I'm going to tie it in and how we're going to move on to talking about Brazil. We had, uh, in Mexico, we had awful luck for Valtteri Bottas um, getting hit and being spun around in turn one. And then we have him go from uh, winning the sprint race To then finishing third and being able to fend off Sergio Perez and almost being able to catch Max up on the uh, last few laps of the race. And one thing that I also wanted to talk about is how Mercedes actually started caring about his race now because under the virtual safety car, they pitted Valtteri and they didn't pit Lewis. And that is how he managed to scoop up third place. So, talk about the, Let you are the Valtteri fan of the two of us. Let's, let talk me through the transition from Mexico to Brazil for Valtteri.
1: Look, I do think that it was very unlucky what happened in Mexico. But in the grand scheme of things, he didn't, I don't want to say he could have defended better from Max leading into turn one. But Lewis did, you know, speaking of the dynamic, Lewis did kind of have, kind of have. Uh, he was kind of obsessed at how Valtteri defended. He said in the post-race interview that Valtteri was supposed to defend his side. He was supposed to come up to the other side. That did not end up happening, and he gave up too easy. And Lewis fully said that in the post-race interview. So the interesting, the interesting is the team dynamic could be very interesting, and I. And wondering what is going on in the Mercedes garage, especially because the same thing happened this weekend, specifically today, when Valkyrie started in pole position. And after turn one, who was in the lead? Max. Mr. Verstappen.
0: It was so, a beautiful overtake though. That was really well done.
1: And, and 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 to your point about Mercedes caring about his race, Mercedes caring about his race is actually crucial for the championship, not for the constructors, but for Lewis's championship. Because if Valtteri performs well and they aid in doing so, that just diminishes the amount of points that's allocated to Max by the end of the race. And the less points for Max, the more points for Lewis equals Lewis winning the championship, you know, in, in four races or th- in three races from now. So I think that they should actually be caring more about Valtteri's race. Because right now, he may be the reason or it might be the element that keeps Lewis from the championship and not Max.
0: I, yeah, I think you're right. I think it's those crucial decisions. You know what? I think that this is going to seem like r- really, really intricate, but I think that Valtteri Bottas pitting under the virtual safety car and that call by Mercedes could definitely keep the championship a lot closer than it actually could be. Um, whether it be constructors, whether it be drivers in both, um, I will say Valtteri had awful luck in Mexico, man. I, I felt bad for him because he was on pole, right? He was on pole and then turn one came around and it was like, nope, I'm gonna do my best ballerina impression and I'm gonna spin and hit the wheel of, I forget who it was. I think it was Daniel Ricciardo or something like that, but it was just awful, awful luck. But he managed to turn it around and I didn't expect Valtteri to win today. Um, I think that he put on an amazing drive during the sprint race. We're going to talk about the sprint race in general later, but um, I think that he put on a great effort during the sprint race and I think that he did the most that he could to keep um, to keep Checo at bay and to fight Max from third and to be able to you know keep him on the edge. Um, so I think overall, this has been a team move from Valtteri Bottas that we really haven't seen um, a lot. Recent, well up until they announced that he was moving to Alfa Romeo and everything, I feel like he just gave up on his own championship hopes. And he was like, okay, I'm going to help the team win the championship, which was, if this is Valtteri 4.0, this is not the Valtteri 4.0 we expected. So, um,
1: It's a very different Valtteri than from uh, the Spanish Grand Prix.
0: Yeah, exactly. So that is that is what I have to say about about Valtteri's last few weekends. If, if there's anything that you want to add on that uh, before we move to another very interesting subject, um, let me know. Uh, shoot it. We're here.
1: No, I, I think we can move on. I, I wholeheartedly agree
0: with what you're saying. Okay, well, in that case, let's move on to the other driver in the Mercedes paddock, Lewis Hamilton. Oh, my God, what an amazing weekend we just saw from could, Lewis Hamilton. Could,
1: can we call Lewis Hamilton the goat yet? Or what's what's the deal?
0: You know what? I think I've, I've gone on record on this podcast saying that Lewis Hamilton is the goat. Um, I think I have too. Uh, I think. Th- uh, I remember. But if I haven't, then I'm saying enough. Also another, I want to throw this back to another episode from our, uh, build an F1 team episode. You said that in your, in your F1 team, you wanted it to be sponsored by Copacabana. We were just in Brazil. You should have definitely uh, hammered that. Uh, you, you should have bought, you should have convinced the government of Brazil to put a Copacabana ad somewhere uh, on, uh, yeah, on the, on the racetrack. Yeah. The Qatar ads. Who's psyched for Qatar? I have no idea what to expect. We'll talk about that later too, but yeah, um, yeah do you you want to just talk about Lewis because the first thing that I want to talk about is you know what let's go through his timeline let's start from the DRS disqualification what do you what do you have to say about the DRS disqualification
1: Well I have to say that I'm very happy that Max got a 50 uh, thousand euro fine because you get your I'm recording a
0: We were talking about Lewis Hamilton. We had yes. a pause. <laughs> yes, I mean, and the D- Hamilton, the DRS the DRS elimination. at sorry, and the fifty thousand dollar fine for Max.
1: Yeah, I'm very happy he got the fifty Euro fine. I think they should have a lot more crackdown as to what happens in Park Ferme. Um, They should not be allowed to check other people's car because I'm not in Max Verstappen's head and I could be checking his car not for things that Lewis did wrong, but for something that I am looking for because we know that uh, Mercedes is better on the straights. It's very, very public. They say it publicly. Everyone knows it. So who knows if Max Verstappen was looking at DRS um, uh, things that could have helped his car, he could have reported back to his technical team, his engineering team, and could have ended up helping his car. I think that's really unfair that he went to go do that. And then, and I think that Formula One and the FIA did a fantastic job in finding him. Do I think that that disqualification was merited? I cannot say that it wasn't.
0: We're not technical experts. We don't know anything. We're
1: not not technical experts. I cannot say that it wasn't. I cannot say that it was. But what I will say is that I do think that Max deserved that fine.
0: Mm, Okay. Here's the way that I see it. Um, You see it from one angle of you're happy that Max got fined. Um, I love the spiciness of Lewis Hamilton being disqualified from qualifying. Um, However, one thing that I really enjoyed from Mercedes is that they said, listen, we're not going to appeal this decision. We're going to win our championships on the track. And I think that is a real testament to how serious they take this championship. And they're getting themselves back into gear, you know, because the last few weekends we've seen strategy mess ups. We've seen um, just Toto, Lewis and Valtteri in saying things that I'd never thought they would say before. I mean, there, there are things that we've heard this season that there's no way we would have heard in 2018 or 2019 when they were just dominating the championship. Uh, and I think that it's taken a toll on them. And I think that that decision in of itself really put Mercedes back into perspective and said, listen, everyone, Calm down. We have three races left. We're either going to win this championship together or we're going to lose this championship together. Let's make sure that it gets fought out on track. That, yeah, no I, no I, comment?
1: <laughs> no, I think it's, 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 it was just proven this weekend. Like we saw in the sprint race, well, Let's let's talk about the sprint race because we saw in the sprint race the first example of that. We saw Valkyrie win the sprint race on the track. And we saw Lewis go from P20th
0: to 5th
1: to P5. And it's not like Sergio Perez's case last year where he went from p twenty to 1st. He had a full-blown race to do that. Lewis Lewis Hamilton did 20 20 laps! (laughs) 20 laps. I forget how much it was. but Regardless, he had a third of a race to do that. And he did it. And who knows how far he could have gone with the pace that he had that that during the sprint race. Mm. And I think that at the beginning when the sprint race was announced, Jonah, we had a whole debate about it. It was our first episode of the JJF1 podcast. I was very against the sprint race. My whole philosophy was don't fix what ain't broke. I do have to say it might be it might be not broke, but it is certainly an upgrade.
0: So actually, one I had I had it in my notes. At the end, when we finish talking about the race itself, to say in general, what do we think about the three sprint races this season? Has it contributed? Has it not? Um I I think that would I appreciate a sprint race every week? Probably not. Would I appreciate it more than three times? Yes. I would say one in every two races is probably fine, but I don't think that I would be okay with the sprint race every single week, except sprint races are the only way that Aston Martin could score genuine points. It looks like because they could just overtake all of the slow cars that they can't do in qualifying. And then, and then when they start on the grid, Oh yeah, they're starting like 11th and 10th. No biggie.
1: Yeah, and Vettel had also <laughs> like really not spoken about, but Vettel had a pretty good weekend as well.
0: Yeah, I mean, Vettel finished. <clears throat> I think Vettel finished eleventh, which is strange, but um, he was running in seventh at one point. Yeah, not anymore. <laughs> so that's just sorry about o- the Marburg luck. <laughs> um, but yes, back to
1: Lewis Hamilton and he, uh, his overall performance. He went from P20 to P5, and I think that it was just symbolic of how badly he wants to surpass Michael Schumacher for his eighth championship. Um, and yeah, then 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 it all went down in the race. What do you what do you what do you make of Lewis Hamilton's first race performance?
0: I think I don't know how many times I've gone on record and said this about Max or Lewis during the during the i think this is month number 8 or something like that month number 7 or 8 of this podcast jordan um and yeah we started in april so it has been a while eh yeah i, I see your reaction for those who see uh, he's like face palming and anyways yeah. it's it's been a, a great ride and I've definitely said multiple times that this is the drive of a champion and Lewis Hamilton showed that he could take advantage of the situation that's given to him. No matter the circumstance gets a new engine, five place grid penalty on Sunday. All right. Qualifies. Uh, First, gets pole, right? He got pole officially in qualifying and then got disqualified. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Gets on pole, gets disqualified, starts from the back of the field. Okay, sprint race. You have 20 laps to make it up. Let's see what you could do. Either way, you're starting uh, five five places back from where you start. Um, All right. uh, Ends up P5. Starts P10, makes up like three people at the start. And then all I have here is I have highlighting of all the great overtakes that Lewis Hamilton did um, this this weekend. I have highlight of Norris uh, during the sprint race, which was- That was my
1: favorite one, actually.
0: Beautiful. Um, I have Checo- uh, during the actual race where that fight between Lewis and Checo was beautiful, and then, come on, the, 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 the fight between Lewis and Max where both of them got shoved off, and then eventually Lewis ended yes. up making the pass, I mean, that was... That's,
1: that, that's a major topic of conversation, though, because there was a whole debate during the race as to whether Max should have gotten a penalty or not. Now I know that you probably have you I don't you probably haven't seen the the footage of the steering wheel. If he intentionally tried to put him off the track, but what do you think, Jonah? If there should have been a penalty in the call that was made here,
0: I think it was just really fair racing. I think that if both of them, I think that if both of them got forced off and they were kind of level. Um, I think, that it was, I think that it was fair racing. And I'm not saying that because I'm a Max fan or because I'm a Lewis fan or whatever. I'm saying that because... Um, I'm going to throw a little bit of an analogy here. I'm a referee in ball hockey. And whenever I debate calling a penalty, there are some 50-50 penalties where I'm like, okay, it's on the limit, but I'll let it slide. That is what I think the FIA did uh, regarding lewis
1: and max yeah i found it very interesting i actually do think there should have been a penalty there but in the grand scheme of things i'm happy that there were because i didn't want lewis to come out on top yeah he ended up coming out on top and and he won the race on the track and maybe we'll win the championship on, on the track as well that, that was, was a very big
0: yeah that, that was, that very, was big, it that was, was, big, was so good I,
1: I had had Lewis not this... won the race, that would, have been, that would have been a very big headline um, in the news. Everybody would have been saying, if he would have gotten the penalty, did the stewards make the right call? Lewis would, might have won. You know, you never know.
0: I think that, like you said, it was good that there were no penalties, regardless of what I think of the actual situation. Um,
1: what I will say, though, is that I do think that the stewards did take into account the fact that it might have been a championship call.
0: I, I don't think they care about that.
1: I know they don't, but they don't. I want mean, to they shouldn't. The natural, they shouldn't, but they don't want to alter the natural course of Formula One in general. And that's something they do keep in the back of their heads.
0: I don't think they care about their championship. It's not their job to care about the championship.
1: I don't know. <laughs> in the, and look, in the NHL playoffs, a lot of penalties are not called because the rest don't want to alter the natural course of the game.
0: Yeah, shout out to uh, Montreal right now, Canadians versus Vegas four... Golden Knights.
1: Yes, and right now it's the final four of final four races of the Formula World Championship. So you could say it's kind of like the Stanley Cup final, you know? And... I don't think the refs, or the stewards in this case, want to alter the natural course of the championship.
0: I think that's a very fair analysis. Um, Meanwhile, um, I just want to make sure that I talked about everything that I wanted to talk about. Um, Let's focus mainly on Checo versus Lewis versus Max, because that is... We had Lewis pick off Checo and then Lewis pick off Max. And I wanted to get your opinion on just the cutthroat racing that both of them had to endure to deal with Lewis Hamilton and end up losing on both ends.
1: Yeah, no, it's what I really enjoyed about these past two or three weekends, actually, with Lewis chasing Max in Austin and with Checo chasing Lewis in Mexico. We read a lot of wheel-to-wheel close racing, a lot of racing that was going on within a second. Finally. Right? And I don't think we've had that in a really long time, especially not since I've been into F1 as much as I am now. Last year, on average, Lewis Hamilton won by more than eight seconds per victory every time he won. And there weren't really, you know, except for Max's performance at the anniversary, 75th anniversary GP, you know, there weren't really any performances that stood out as being an Abu Dhabi, but there weren't any performances that stood out to be, a, to be close wheel-to-wheel racing as we had this year between the Mercedes and the Red Bull. And I think that it's just, we're just being spoiled, and I really hope that next year it's more of the same with the regulation changes. And I'm happy that uh, that uh, the odds of it being that way are higher than it is, uh, than there are less odds.
0: Yeah, I 100% agree. I mean, the regulation changes look interesting. Let's hope that it actually is interesting. Um, one and thing that I
1: love. We're going to have Miami next year. We don't know you know, a completely new track that no motor uh, series has ever raced on.
0: You I mean, want to talk no about unknown tracks? Ask. You want to talk about unknown tracks. We're about to go to two unknown tracks. Yeah, and and
1: and, and I'm really excited for both of them. Um, I do think that. Yeah, I'm really excited for both of them.
0: Uh so one thing that I wanted to talk about um between Checo Max and Lewis before we go on to next week. Triple Header Man. Crazy. Um is that what I loved is the passing that both uh, that all three of them did because it wasn't like it was one pass and then Lewis went off into the distance or one pass and then Checo went off in the distance. No, no, no. Each of those battles were for at least five laps. Checo and Lewis was for at least five laps with the back and forth, with Lewis making it up, and then Sergio Perez passing him on the next DRS straight, and then Sergio asking Max to give him DRS uh, so that he could survive Hamilton. I think that the battles being long-lasting was what I enjoyed the most about it.
1: Yeah, it, it's, it's very long-lasting, and it, and it was, I would say, a third of what the production team focused on a third of what they were showing on screen was Max versus Lewis today. Yeah. Um, which is, which is crazy to think about. And it just shows how tight the championship battle is. And I'm so happy that we're having a tight championship battle because at this time last year, we had already crowned the world champion. At this uh, time last year, we had crowned, I think the constructors championship
0: and the world championship. And yeah. So I actually wanted to talk about this too. One year ago today was stroll on pole.
1: One year ago today?
0: Yeah. One year ago today, November 14th, 2020, was stroll right, so on Tur- pole.
1: So in Turkey, Lewis Hamilton won the championship. Yeah. So exactly. A year ago today, Lewis one Hamilton. One year won ago, the championship.
0: well, a year ago, technically tomorrow, but tomorrow, this but a
1: year ago this weekend, yes. So it just it just speaks to how tight of how tight the race is and how much will improved in the uh, in the winter.
0: Yeah, I think that this is going to be crazy and speaking of craziness especially
1: cuz we're you're going to two unknown tracks.
0: Exactly. We're going to Qatar next week. Uh, do we know anything about the Losail International Circuit? I know nothing. You know nothing, but we're here to make predictions, so hit it up.
1: Look, I'm I'm not making a prediction based on the track because I actually know zero about. I know nothing about elevation. I actually haven't even seen. I think I've seen it once, the layout of the track. But I'll go ahead and say, based on pace in the previous races, I think that it's Ferrari's time to get on the podium.
0: Okay, that's uh, a very solid, very what, solid prediction. What are you?
1: What are you saying? What are you saying?
0: My prediction is. Someone who has not been on the podium this season is going to be on the podium.
1: That's a good prediction.
0: So let's let's look at actual realistic options of, of, of that happening, okay? Alonzo. We have... Sorry? Alonzo. Alonzo. Stroll. Sonoda. And... Both Ferrari's gone on the podium. Both Mercedes, both Red Bull. That's
1: George Russell has
0: a podium. <laughs> um, yeah, we have. Yeah, so one of those three. Uh, whoever has not been on the podium this year is going to be on the podium.
1: I think the most realistic one is Alonzo, and I could see that happening, especially because the track that we have no data on. And tracks that we have no data on, likely a safety car will come out, likely a crash will happen.
0: Or Raikkonen. Raikkonen can also be on the podium. Or Jovanazzi. Like, that's don't not going to happen.
1: <laughs> I, I will say this. My bold prediction for the rest of the season, for the next three races, is I do think that in one of the next three races, I do think it's most likely going to be in Abu Dhabi. I do think that uh, Valkyrie will win one final race before he heads off to the lower tier teams.
0: I would very much like to see that. And... If you want to listen and follow with us through the rest of the three races left in the F1 season, um, feel free to like our Facebook page and follow us on Instagram at the JJF1 Podcast, and we will see you for the next episode. See ya!